Welcome everyone to the Wild Podcast. My name is Bianca Barros. I'm one of Wild's founders and I'm your host for today's episode. In case you're wondering, Wild stands for Women in Leadership Development. Our work aims to help women fight oppression, stigmas, and constraints that stop them from achieving their full potential and to empower women to be impactful, conscious, and innovative leaders. In this podcast series, We will feature Thrillblazers political scientists that are opening paths to women in politics in the U.S. In today's episode, I'm joined by my co-host Mia Schumann, a junior double major in psychology and politics at Menlo College. Mia and I are joined by Dr. Nadia Brown, who's a political science professor at Purdue University. Dr. Brown's research interests lie broadly in identity politics, legislative studies, and Black women's studies. She specializes in Black women's politics and holds a graduate certificate in women's and gender studies. While trained as a political scientist, her scholarship on intersectionality seeks to push beyond disciplinary constraints to think more holistically about politics of identity. In this episode, Professor Brown takes us on a deep dive on the obstacles women of color face when running for higher political positions and in the political science community. Additionally, she also touches upon her contributions to the Me Too movement. Thank you for joining us, Nadia. It's a pleasure to be here with you. I was uh, reading some of your work and I found it really interesting that you said it was like a very scary statistic of like 480 women, black women were running for office, but only like three of them got endorsed by the Democratic Party. And, oh, yeah. and I was like, wow, that, that that's not okay. <laughs> and I was, and you talk a lot about uh, how this focus group you did and to explore a little bit of the obstacles the Democratic Party imposes on black women who are running for office. Can you describe maybe like the three biggest obstacles that the Democratic imposes on black women running for office? Yeah, no, that, yeah, that, that's a really um, important question because it points to very interrelated things in American politics that I think um, oftentimes are seen as singular, um, but they have a confluence when um, it happens to women of color, right? So it's like, it's an easy ding, ding, ding. We can see it there. So the first is structure. And if the parties um, have a structural arrangement that will not, that prohibits, prohibits them from coming in in the primaries to try to give money to candidates or help candidates. And that's really where women of color face the hardest challenge. It is getting out of the primaries. And if the party wants to stay above the fray until the um, until the primaries, they don't want to endorse anyone, then it's really detrimental for women of color. But what this means is while they're, that's the structural thing that the party has this formal rule they won't do, but informally it has all these other repercussions. So women of color, um, black women in particular have a much harder time of fundraising money. And that's because of the networks that they're in or not in the kind of communities where they come from. So people that don't have a lot of disposable income or haven't been socialized to give, to donate, or people who really just see voting as the primary means of political engagement. 
um, or like are framed as the primary means of political engagement, right? So in black communities, we we hold up folks like John Lewis and say like, yeah, get out to get out to vote. That is a thing you have to do. But we also don't say, go knock on doors, go canvas, go put up you know signs on your front lawn or on your bumper sticker, talk to your neighbors, um, right? So that's just as important too, and framing it in those ways. So that's the structural part that has. Um, for the Democratic Party. And then the other part is informal. So the Democratic Party, um, according to the women that I talked to in my studies, don't see them as electable. So they are um, operating within a cultural norm and frame that says Black women um, are outside of the norm of what we think elected officials should be, or they might be too radical, they might not be electable in certain districts. So we're not going to we're not going to put energy and effort into them. And sometimes it's explained away because they're running in safe districts. Once they make it out of the primary, they're going to run in a majority minority district anyway that's always gone to a Democrat. So why put resources in that place? But the undergirding reason is that there are these stereotypes that Black women um, have as elected officials and as candidates that um, kind of allow the party to say, I don't want to be engaged or involved. And those two things, right, are interrelated, but again, it's harder to see or parse them out as being both racist and sexist, classist, right, all, all the other ways that we know our society is, is organized if we pull them apart and only look at them as discrete and not interrelated. I was reading over a couple of your works and I noticed the the mentoring piece was really interesting to me. Um, I was wondering what are the, I know they're positive effects, but what are some like really positive effects of mentoring women of color into politics? Into politics or political science? Sorry, political science. My, my major is technically politics because we had some, so <laughs> intertwining things, but political science. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Um, and so most times people that come from marginalized communities have research questions that um, that they want to answer because they have normative implications because they might make the world a better place <laughs> like go figure and um, so for me it's so exciting to try to keep people in political science or to bring them into political science because our discipline sorely needs their perspective um, a couple of weeks ago i had the opportunity to work with a phd student um, a fourth year P or fifth year PhD student who um, I wanted her to write something for the monkey cage, which is a public facing um, outlet for scholars to write in the Washington Post about um, how we should be really thinking about Biden and um, executive order that would overturn Trump's um, really restrictive immigration policies. And she shared that the reason why she's doing this project on undocumented um, undocumented individuals is because her dad was deported during the Obama era and that these very simplistic ways that we say yes you know sign the dream act DACA is great but it really doesn't capture those that will continually toil in the shadows and the damage that it does to whole families and communities when people are deported and and even those people, right, once they come back to these communities after they might have been in ICE for six months, eight months, whatever, um, bring so much trauma and scar back, like, and how do we expect them to want to engage in a political system? And so, um, so like she comes from this normative, this normative question because this has happened in her life, 
but it's a question that political science needs to answer, right? Because unfortunately, I think our framework is too narrow. And if we don't have people who have lived lives and had experiences um, like this one of this student and many others that are out there, we have a much, much more limited sense of power and how power gets exerted on certain communities and how those other communities have agency. So for me, the most rewarding part is to be able to read the scholarship um, and to see how these people will use um, their experiences and their teaching and their service work, right? It just transforms the academy once we have this bigger tent because if, you know, if this student wasn't there, I am 100% certain that the monkey cage would have run a very um, white liberal centric, yay, DACA's good, <laughs> right? And without really, um, you know, really trying to push back like, okay, so what does DACA mean for these communities? What does DACA really mean for families like mine? And bringing political science scholarship to bear, she was able to, to show this. So my, um, I guess my, my very, it's not a secret anymore. My, my very public goal is to really transform political science into making a difference. And in order to do so, you have to have other people that don't look like who we typically think of political science professors to, um, to write scholarship, teach students, and to really push um, scholarship, scholarly engagement in ways that just haven't been done before. That's awesome, thank you. Yeah, and that makes sense too, when you mentioned earlier, like if black women are having trouble fundraising because we're not like a lot of people of color aren't corrected collecting from the right networks because a lot of people aren't in politics so i think it's great to get a different perspective thank you yeah happy to talk with that about that mia professor brown uh, you touched a little bit upon the, the Me Too movement, and I just saw on your website earlier today that you edited a book about it that like titled Me Too Political Science. Can you talk a little bit more about that? <laughs> so the book came from an edited volume that we did following the conference. Um, and then we asked the participants if they wanted to write anything. And then I went out and solicited pieces that I thought were missing. But basically, um, what I'm most proud of about the, the collection and then the journal um, also is that, they, I mean, like some of the pieces I would have never have written or, or have read, right? Like if I wasn't doing this work, like there are some to me that are pretty far out there. Um, okay not far out there or too far in or like, <laughs> does that make sense? Like not radical enough, right? Some things that I think are just um, challenging the status quo in very small ways and others that are kind of making sense of why people from certain generations are thinking about um, sexual harassment differently than people in other kind of generations. Um, and I would never have read those or had the opportunity to talk to those kind of people if it wasn't for the conference and for the book. And so um, so I'm proud of the fact that it's, um, it's diverse, it's interdisciplinary, and it's bringing people in conversation that probably would not have been otherwise. Um, but I, I am also kind of disappointed because I would like for it to go further. Like I wish there was like a how-to manual. And I know that there might never be, or maybe, I, I don't know, but. I was just thinking about this um, this weekend 
is like if I could put up on on our website like you know you've been sexually harassed these are the steps you need to take immediately right do these things um, reach out to this person this person at your university would be in charge of doing x find the cognate person um, there's no ways to document your harassment like I wish I could just do like a how-to manual because what I get most so my cell phone number is public it's on my cv and people can find it and at first it was a mistake like I forgot it was there and that people started calling me. Um, but now I leave it up there intentionally because people have found me and have been like, I have a real question that I'm being harassed or I'm having these really horrible racist things happen to me at my job. Do you have suggestions that can you put me in contact with someone? And so what turned out as a, bit, as a mistake has been really good. But then I also feel like I wish I just had like a how-to manual to give people so that, um, like you didn't have to search for someone's phone number that you don't know, right? And call them and rehash all the painful things that have happened to you. But you might, I mean, sometimes that's good, right? Sometimes you want it like to be cathartic and just share because you don't, you wanna know that you're not crazy because that so happens. Um, but yeah, but so one of the things I wish is a shortcoming is that we could have published a what to do mo model and, or just some suggestions for what to do because when this happens, particularly in academia, where we're taught everything is so individualized that like you make it on your own and you fail because you did something wrong, you know, you fail by like you don't get tenure or you don't get promoted or whatever. Um, that's the ethos of our of our culture. But sexual harassment, this is that's why it allows to grow, right? Because it's so individualistic. So when things when people get harassed. Um, they internalize it. So if there was a document that just said, this is who you talk to or where you go or just recognizing it because we don't talk about it as openly. Um, and if you admit it to other people at your university sometimes or most times, right? It's like, well, what did you do? Did you do anything to bring this on? And you get that third degree when all you're really trying to figure out is, all right, is there an odds buds person? Is there like, do I go to general counsel? Like, I don't want your judgment. This is wrong. And I just want to move forward. I think we should work on a what you do document for Mellow College. I think that's that's my takeaway for today. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that. Because it's it seems really relevant for students too. Yeah. And there you have it. All right. Well, Dr. Brown, thank you so much. Yes, thank and you for having me. That yeah, was really a great conversation. <laughs> I really appreciate your time, especially on technically a holiday. Um, although we don't have the day off, so whatever, no, ma'am. Yeah. Um, and uh, yes, yay, round of applause. And um, good luck with the toddler. Thank you. I'll go find her. <laughs> I'm sure she's running wrong. Her of her eyes. <laughs> All right. And I'll see the rest of you next week. All right. Bye, everyone. All right. Thank Bye. you. Have a great day. Bye. Thank you all for tuning in and listening to the Wild Podcast. We're really excited to see you at the next episode. In the meantime, stay wild.